So they literally beg you to trade your solution for their money. Did you grow up being told that going to college and getting that dream job was the only way to be successful? Well, that was me too. After applying to 100 jobs in New York City and getting no responses, I changed gears and figured out that my dream job was not really having a job at all. I tried a bunch of different ways to make money online, but nothing quite felt right to me. That's when I realized that if I wanted to make it big, I needed to be serving the people I truly cared about, doing the things that got me the most excited. So I went all out helping everyone I could by teaching them everything I knew about sales funnels. But there was a problem. I could use funnel strategy to grow other people's businesses, but how could I use it to grow my own? This podcast is here to give you that answer. Listen and join me on my journey as I reveal the real talk behind the scenes of the world's best internet sales funnels. My name is Brennan Kelly, and welcome to What the Funnel. Welcome back, everybody. What the Funnel is going on. I am super hyped to be here today because we have Mr. Bill Crane with us. Now, he's a super unique dude and literally a beast in the sales funnel space. Like, I'm not kidding. I've seen his name everywhere. He's always helping people out, just providing insane amounts of value. But some people call him the high ticket insider and not for no reason. And he's a two comma club winner and the master of high ticket sales, especially in sales funnel strategy. So he's going to teach us his biggest strategy about high ticket closing in a sales funnel setting. What's going on, Bill? Say hi to the audience. We're super happy to be, uh, to be here with you. Oh my God, Brandon, that was amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you because I love talking funnel strategy. You know, I see so many people uh, throwing their funnels out there and it's almost like they're using the method of just throw it against the wall and see if something sticks. And you know what? <laughs> there's a science to this. There's, there's certain ways to do things. It's going to cause your funnel to not only suck in leads at a faster rate than you ever thought possible, to actually convert them uh, in like almost without selling, like your funnel is supposed to be a highly skilled sales assassin working for you 24 seven. And by the end of today, any of your listeners that are paying attention, they're going to be able to do that too. So, so you would argue that just from that, that sales funnel strategy and building a funnel is more of a science than an art, right? Absolutely. In fact, I, you know, most, most funnels that are built by someone who you can tell is an artist usually kind of suck. You know, like graphic artists are not salespeople, right? And usually salespeople are not graphic artists. Sometimes you get the crossover and people can do both, but it, it, it's pretty rare, I think. No, it, it's true. Honestly, I sales funnel design and the artistic pieces and like how pretty it looks, they're absolutely disgusting. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> if it converts, you know, that, that's what we like, right? Some of the simplest funnels and the ugliest ones are honestly some of the best performing as well. Absolutely. So we know that you have a pretty unique way of kind of going about high ticket sales in this uh, sales funnel strategy process. So why don't you introduce us a little bit and kind of indoctrinate us on your process, your methods and what you have going on that's different from the way people traditionally do things. Well, first of all, there's, you have to think of what is the first page of the funnel. And what most people don't realize is the first page of your funnel isn't even in, in what you think is your funnel, right? Most people think the first page of their funnel is literally they log into ClickFunnels or whatever thing they're using to build out their funnel and like whatever page one is is page one. No, page one is whatever the first point of contact is. 
It doesn't matter if it's a Facebook ad, a Facebook post, Twitter, Instagram. It could be your business card. It could be like this card that I got from, you know, like Russell. Uh, and it's like about unlock the secret. Whatever is that first point of contact that's going to suck people into your funnel, that's really page one. Uh, it, sometimes page one it might, might be like a friend or family member, member a referral, someone who is saying, oh, my God, this, this two-comma coach guy, you got to go check that out. Uh, Brendan Kelly, you got to go check him out. And they, they tell them why. They tell them what you do. It's, it's all in the pre-frame, right? So once they get there, I always see a huge point of disconnect. So like when I help people with their funnels all the time and they say, uh, my Facebook ad is going crazy. I'm getting crazy people to click on it, but nobody's opting in. And then like, I already know what's happening, but every time they I say, okay, well show me what your ad looks like. Show me what your funnel looks like. And it's like, they say two completely different things. And it's like what people have to realize is whatever brought them there in the first place can never change. It's funny. This is something that I hit on pretty hard too, because part of what I do, Bill, and I don't, I don't think you really know this about me, but I am super, super big on your avatar and your dream customer. So basically I build out an entire funnel strategy system where we build the dream customer and the avatar first, and then we extract out all of our hooks and our sales messages and our offers and everything straight out of that. And part of what's cool and why that works is that it's so congruent because we pull it all out of one piece. So that way your hook on your, um, your ad is the same exact as the hook on your landing page, right? Yep. There's no disconnect and no phone apart like you're talking about. Because again, that's some of what I see as well when I'm going over other people's phones and whatnot. So cool. So the people, yeah, people come in, uh, the first page, you know, the pre-frame, obviously super important. Like if somebody, somebody says, hey, go check out this movie, it sucks. <laughs> you're, no, you're not really. <laughs> You're not going to want to watch that movie. <laughs> Watching that movie is going to motivate you to get up and do something. Yeah, so if somebody says, go check out this movie, it's my favorite movie ever, you're going to go in with a totally different mindset. Same thing if you're getting a referral from one of your uh, friends or customers. If somebody says, hey, go check out Bill Crane. Or if somebody says, I just heard about Bill Crane on Brennan's podcast. Like, I'm going to go check him out. He says he was awesome. He was really cool. You're going to have a much better time talking to that person than if I went in and I said, I hate this guy, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and sometimes people pre-frame you in, in, in a way that's good, but then like not good, right? You know, like someone might say something like, oh, Brendan is so amazing. Uh, you know, like he helped me do this stuff and like he didn't even charge me that much. It's like, what? <laughs> you know, like you, you, it's like, you know, sometimes we, and, and that gets into the whole high ticket mentality. Okay. It's like we have to take the our we have to pre-frame our customers are the people that we've done amazing services for right like especially let's let's pretend for a second that you're brand new and in someone who's listening is brand new you may have to help a couple of people for like way less than it's worth so that you can get testimonials so that you can build case studies you may even help somebody for free mm -hmm. but you do not want people running around town saying he was amazing and he didn't even charge me. Like, cause like you, like you're going to do that maybe a couple of times just so that you can get that case study. Uh, but 
you don't, <laughs> if people are running around town saying, oh my God, Brendan is like the cheapest guy ever and my funnels make a million dollars and he only charged me a hundred bucks. Like, like you don't want that, right? You know, so it's like, and it's something is a, a tiny little shift. They can say, and he was worth every penny. The investment I made in him was ridiculous. It paid me back a hundred times over, you know, like, right, right. Preframe is in everything. We have to preframe not only what we're telling our potential prospects, but we have to preframe the people who are our raving fans because like, that's really what it's all about. Like we can do a lot of things with marketing, but like it, when we have happy customers that love what we did for them, we want them to go out into the world and say, oh my God, Brendan is the best thing since sliced bread. Like, because that's like free and that builds momentum and it can create a movement when we build a fan base like that. So to me, that's like part of the whole journey. It's like, you know, like it should be part of like the pillar of your business. You know, have your marketing, have your organic, but also have those raving fans that are running all over the place telling people how amazing you are, but make sure they're not telling people, uh, you know, like they should be telling you that like, I can't believe he only charged me a million dollars. Like he should have. Yeah. Charged yeah. Okay. Really? Like, you know, and obviously that's like ridiculous, but that's the point we have to bring it to. It's like, we, we need our customers and our clients, depending on what type of business you're in, uh, to appreciate what we're doing for them on such a level that they feel like they ripped us off. <laughs> uh, even though we charge them more than anyone else would have charged them. So yeah, like, that's a really unique thing to say just in that sentence. So, so how do we kind of, how do we position ourselves in that way aside from just over delivering, you know, cause let's say I'm charging somebody a thousand bucks and I build a funnel for them and you know, it makes a million bucks. Obviously I over delivered the hell out of it. But yeah. Like let's say, you know, how else can we go about putting ourselves in that position? Well, first of all, um, you know, there's obviously a front end journey and a back end journey, but when you, when you're wanting to your customer to appreciate you, uh, you know, this is after they've already signed the contract or done whatever they do in your business to become a customer or client, you have to document everything, but not only for yourself, for, for them. Like I learned this like a long, long time ago as a contractor, mm -hmm. like, and I literally was selling people, you know, remodeling projects, like remodeling their kitchen. Right. And, and I discovered that if I gave them this ridiculously itemized invoice, I'm talking down to like how many screws it took, you know, how many nails it took, like instead, like where some contractors might be just like remodel kitchen, install granite, install cabinets, and it's this much money. But it like when you itemize the crap out of it and you make them realize every single detail that went into creating that, because what people tend to do is, when they think that it was easy for you to provide that result, then they devalue. They don't see the value in it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so like, they're like, wait a minute, I, like this guy built a funnel and charged me $25,000. Like, that doesn't sound like a lot of work. But when you itemize the crap out of everything and like, you know, like this logo had to be created, that logo had to be created, all these different assets, you know, and every single thing, it had to be connected to, you know, Cloudflare, it had to be connected to Amazon SES, like just, like there's hundreds of things. Like I heard someone last week I heard posted, there's like 872 things that go into a funnel. And I'm like, 
that person gets it, right? Like, yeah, that, really. Because if, if you're, here's the thing. If people don't know what we're doing for them, then how could they possibly appreciate it? Like, they can't. So, so when someone doesn't appreciate what we're doing, like, it's not because they're a jerk. It's our fault. We didn't detail everything that they're doing for us, for them. So we want to make our pricing sheets and our invoice, because I'm working on building out my agency right now. Yeah. You're telling me if I'm sending somebody a proposal, right, the best thing that I can do is write down every single little thing, every moment that it took, every, you know, piece of energy that I put into it and let them know so mm -hmm. that they can see it. Yeah, I actually do things um, two different ways. So what I do is like in my sales process, like they are never, ever, ever going to receive a piece of paper or even a PDF that they can go through and, and, and look at things. I'm going to take them on a journey, right? Their own journey. Like what do they want, right? So and if I, what is the biggest problem that they have? Like if, if their desire is to create a seven-figure business, what's standing in your way? You know, and then get them to tell you what you, what they want, what their problem is, the thing that they can't solve, right? So you're taking them through this journey where, where they're really selling themselves. So they're, they're, they're going to detail what that journey is. And then obviously you're taking good notes. Plus you're like, I always do these on zoom, right? So we record them so that even I can listen to them afterwards and make sure that we didn't miss anything. Um, and then it, it also serves as uh, a reminder to them. You know, because a lot of times people forget why they hired you. Right, right. Um, okay. So like. So, so here, can I, can I put this in an example real quick? Yeah. So I am taking 10 people through the funnel build process mm -hmm. start to finish right now. I just started my beta program literally two days ago. Yep. So I just finished up a session, but basically, and I'll, I'll let you in on one of my secrets here. Part of the, the ultimate avatar, that's my system, is that we can launch to a very small audience with no ad spend and no list, basically just by getting to know our dream customer. So what we do is that while we're creating our product, we actually get on interviews with our dream customer. And the first time we go through two interviews. So the first time we say, Hey, you know, I, I see that you post in this group and you're having this problem. Well, I'm actually in the middle of creating this product. Um, can we get on a chat, a call and chat and interview basically. So I take them through a series of questions and then we say, hey, thanks, at the end of the call, you know, we've gotten so much value out of it, I really appreciate you coming on with me. Uh, do you mind if I just follow up with you in a week once I, you know, do a little bit more homework and come back to you and finalize things? Yep. So the second interview is where the sales process is going to happen. Now, what would you recommend to my beta students? Bring them through the process. What should they be saying on that second interview to close the sale? Yeah. Now. The first thing is I would back up a little bit, just a slight tweak in languaging. Okay. Like I never ask, you know, can I follow up with you at some point in the future? It's like, okay. oh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow up with you next Tuesday at four o'clock. I need you to be ready. We're going to get on another Zoom. And these are the points that we're going to discuss. Every, all the problems that you've outlined for me today, I'm going to show you what the solutions are. So, so the, the thing is, we're not necessarily in the beginning pulling them into a sale. So we're telling these people because they're our dream customers, we're finding them in groups and whatnot. You know, we haven't really put them in a sales setting yet. So would you still recommend saying that exact thing where basically when we reach out and maybe you could help me and we can position even the first call a better way. But yep. so when, what, I, what I'm telling you is that when we reach out, we say, Hey, you know, I saw your problem over here. I saw you posted about this. I'm actually creating something 
that kind of works around that problem. Um, can we get on a call so I can get more information and chat about it? Yeah. So we never really pitched them on that first call, and that's why I asked for permission to follow up. So do you have a better way to kind of go about that in the first conversation too? I think everything you're doing is the same, but like the reason I wouldn't ask permission, like permission is like you already got permission. Like you're on the call with them, mm -hmm. right? And they're sharing your problems and then you're dropping nuggets that are showing them that you know what the answers are, right? So once you've got them to that point, uh, it's just all about amplifying their curiosity, amplifying their desire and in providing that solution. Uh, so like to the, the continued, like you can ask for the permission if you want to, but it's like, look, do you really need their permission to solve their problems and make their life better and put a whole crap ton of money in their wallet? Like, like probably not. Um, and when you ask permission, it automatically makes them feel like they're being sold. So like as the salesman, we want to ask permission because we feel like, oh, well, we need permission to sell them. But if you put the, the prospect's hat on, like, you're doing them a favor, right? So that, yeah. that's true. And I, I don't really have that big sales state of mind right now. So that, that's a yeah, good so because you've asked, per, like, no one's going to give you permission to sell, right? But okay. so it, it creates what I call an argumentative dialogue. It's like, well, why do you need my permission? Like, well, because, because I'm trying to sell you. Like, that's what they're thinking, even if they don't tell you that that's what they're thinking. Okay. So it, it, it gives them an opportunity to give you an objection where if it's just like, uh, okay, I know what all your problems are, uh, you know, and then whatever your next step is, like I'm going to, let's meet on Tuesday at four o'clock or whatever. And, and I'm going to show you how we can fix this. You, like that's not selling, right? That's just like, I'm going to show you how I can fix this. And then they're like, okay. And, you know, and then when you get them on there, what you're doing is taking them through the process of, okay, I've showed you how I can fix this. Now, how much is that going to be worth to you if all these problems went away? Like, and what I mean by that is, you know, how much more money are you going to be able to make because all these problems are solved? Like, so not, tell me this. What if we're not necessarily selling in the wealth category? Like I, I have a, a student who's selling, um, you know, like uh, she's part of an MLM group and she's selling craft products. So what, what about if we're not selling wealth necessarily, because we're not necessarily, I don't know, I guess it, it's easier to promise that it's, they're spending money to make money, right? Sure. So well, in the MLM space, it really is a, a wealth. Like, I mean, you know, all right. So what if we're selling in the health space? I have a guy who's selling, uh, I guess, pain relief. Yeah. He has natural products that are pain relief um, and that's what he's building his home for. So what yeah, fantastic. So like, so like, so Brendan, you, you're living with chronic pain. You can hardly get out of bed in the morning. You know, like you have to ask your, your kid to, to bring you your dinner because you don't even want to get out of the recliner because it's going to be agony. Like how much would it be worth to never experience that again? <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay. I gotcha. It's like everything, like I always want them to come up with the value, mm -hmm. right? Because first of all, if someone says, well, to never ever experience pain again, I think that would be worth $3. Like, really? <laughs> like, no, I'm being serious. How much is that actually worth? If you didn't have to take drugs, if you didn't have to do all this stuff, 
um, that you're, you know, like, you know how it works with your health insurance and that's fantastic. We're not trying to replace that. But if I can really give you the solution that's going to allow, allow you to live pain free, how much is that worth? I mean, I'm, to me, like if I had chronic pain, I could make it go away. That's worth millions of dollars because I, I don't want to be in pain. You know, the good news is I'm not going to charge you millions of dollars for that because even though it's worth it, you, maybe you don't have millions of dollars. And even if you did, you probably want to buy a jet instead. <laughs> you know, so it's like it's the front end is all about getting them to acknowledge how much it's worth. Because if someone really can't see the value in it, you got no point in selling them anyways. They're not your dream customer at that point, right? Exactly. And that's really what it's all about is identifying who your dream customers are. Because it's like, do you want to do a high volume business, which is totally okay? Or do you want to do, you know, a high revenue generating business on a low volume? You know, because like it really depends. Are you selling products or services? If you want to sell tens of thousands of units, just recognize that at that point, you're probably a commodity. And, you know, in, 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 so do you want to be a commodity or do you want to be like a work of art? Correct. And then you're fighting on price yeah. if you're a commodity at that point too. So, so I, I like to teach high ticket because high ticket, um, what it does is it finds what the low ticket offer would be. So, so if you're, when you're trying to sell people this high end offer, you're going to take all these notes on all the reasons why someone's not going to pay this huge dollar amount for that thing, even though they still want it. Right. And it helps you to find a sweet spot to where then you can take that service that you're delivering for a high ticket. And what's the, what's the level at which you can productize that service? Because like one of the things I learned, you know, on my two comma club journey was that I could get a two comma club relatively simply uh, selling high ticket coaching and consulting. When you're selling 25K and up, you don't have to actually sell all that much, right? Mm -hmm. But to get to the 10 million, to get to the 100 million, that ain't going to happen, right? Because just the sheer numbers aren't there. But where it can happen is like now I've taken, you know, my, my high ticket uh, methodologies and, mm -hmm. and everything that would go into a consulting package and put it into a nice, neat consumable program that someone can pay you know, whatever. I haven't even decided yet. It might be nine ninety seven. It might be twenty nine ninety seven. But like, I'm going to deliver that in a, a productized format so that people can consume it, get the same results on their own. Like, they won't have me to hold them by the hand. That's still available uh, at the high level. And then it just helps you to back down your your uh, ascension ladder. Right, of course. And I, I think of, I always think of Dana Derricks in this uh, process because, you know, he's partially famous for selling his books at $2,000, right? And so I remember at Funnel Hacking Live, I was at his round table and I'm like, that was one of the questions that came up. And he's like, well, my coaching, if you want to work with me personally, and he's like, it's 10 or 20 grand for whatever. I don't remember how long, but then, so he's like, so when people come up to me and they say they want to work with me, I say, okay, it's 10 or 20 grand. And if they don't like it, that's fine. I say, okay, you can go buy my book. It's the same content, but it's two grand instead. And then, yeah. they say, oh, okay. And then it's like, you know, selling a book for two grand, it sounds insane. But when it's the same sort of content, just delivered in a different vehicle, you know, the value is still there and you could sell a book for $2,000, which is amazing. Absolutely. And if that $2,000 book helps you make 20,000, it was a great deal. If it makes you 
make 200,000 or 2 million, like it just becomes ridiculous. Like it's not, if, if the information in that book can help you make $2 million a year, then like 2000 is like a penny, like who cares, you know? Uh, so that's what it's all about is just creating and then amplifying that value and amplifying the desire to the point where people just have to have it. And that's it for this episode, guys. Stick around for more of Mr. Bill Crane. Hey guys, Brendan here. I've got a brand new system called the Ultimate Avatar that's gonna finally help you profit from your first funnel. So if you've been struggling to build a funnel that actually makes you money, then you need to book a strategy call. You're gonna learn how to plan, build, and launch a funnel the fastest and easiest way that I know. Just head over to bkellyprofits.com to book a free call. There's no catch, I'm just doing a few of these for a very short period of time while I work on automating this system. So just to recap, you're getting a free strategy call for the ultimate avatar that will help you plan, build, and launch your first funnel with no ads and no email list. So you can finally start making money too. Now, if that sounds good to you, just head over to bkellyprofits.com to sign up.